Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the Weaker Vessel. Hello, everyone. If you would like to get to know more about Awakening Reformation podcast, go to rebelalliancemedia.com. You'll find information on all the other podcasts in our network, as well as blogs and articles. You can also check us out on social media. Go there and like and follow us. Go to iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher, subscribe to the feed so you get all of our new content when it's released. We also have a Patreon if you would like to financially support us. So go to patreon.com slash rebel alliance so that you can do that. So we just had some of the most awesome guests ever to visit us in New York City here in Brooklyn. Indeed. And this was Nate and Colleen Wright. So P. Nate from the Rebel Podcast, our fellow podcast here in the network, they came down to visit us with little Harper. They're a sweet little baby. They braved the roads, which were quite treacherous coming into Brooklyn. They came into Brooklyn on the most vicious rainstorm we have seen to date here. It was insane. I felt so bad because coming into Brooklyn, it's a huge bridge and it's really beautiful, the skyline. Well, and there's like a ton of traffic, tons of one ways. Yep. And of course, it would be the worst weather possible. Yeah. As you guys can imagine, New York City, if you're not familiar with the area, is just terrible for driving. Yeah. Well, even if you are familiar, it's still terrible for driving. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you what, they were every bit of Canada nice that I was expecting and more. Although. Yeah. That Colleen. (laughs) What? (laughs) She's a little spitfire. Yeah. She kind of betrays her, her Canadian roots with that a little bit. Oh no. She's super sweet and nice. She's just a little spitfire and I love it. We really enjoyed their company. She's kind of like the coolest pastor's wife ever. I would agree. I would agree 100%. Nate kind of scored out of his league there a little bit, I think. Good job, Nate. So that was a really fun time. I just wanted to give a shout out to them for uh, being really good guests. Should we make some observations about them that our listeners might like to know about? Yeah, what do you want to say? But what were some things that we had said about them? They're both tall. They're both taller than I expected. This is true. Yeah. I thought Nate was kind of tall, but he was taller than I expected. Yeah. So so was Colleen. They're both tall. Yeah. So I don't know how tall they were. (laughs) (laughs) So this is really (laughs) unhelpful. We're just going to... But for for reference sake, Grant is like 5'9", and I'm 5'7". Yep. And they're both taller than us. Well, I think maybe Colleen's shorter than you, but taller than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, those Canadians are tall. What else did we notice? interesting. Oh, one thing that I noticed with them being here is their Canadian accents. And I don't know why I never picked this up on the podcasts. Maybe, I don't know why it doesn't come out. But when they were here, it seemed like they used a lot of... A? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) The Canadian uh, lingo and just the, the accent was a lot... It was outstanding. Yes, it was. In more ways than one. It was quite outstanding. Yeah, prominent. (laughs) Yeah, so that was awesome, though. So we're super thankful that they came down to visit us, and we had a really great time. Looking forward to spending more time with them. Yes. All right. 
So tonight we are going to get right into our next episode of our Covenant Theology series. And tonight what we're going to cover is the New Covenant. Now the New Covenant falls under that umbrella of the Covenant of Grace. It is the consummate covenant. All of the other covenants essentially collapse into the New Covenant made. They're like Russian dolls. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. This is the big doll. This is the big one that all the other little dolls are inside. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it that's... encapsulates all of the other ones. Is that pretty good? Yeah. It's like... It's the Russian Exact in you. wording, too. It's the Russian in you. Actually, I don't even know that Russian dolls come from Russia. Is it a thing? Or are they just called Russian dolls? You're asking the wrong guy. I don't know. But... Someone's yelling at me, thinking this girl is stupid. I'm not going to yeah. continue listening. That's right. So this is the covenant that we are under right now. And since all the other covenants fit into this one, we were going to give this covenant its own episode. Yes. So the new covenant is, like Grant was saying, the, the consummation of all of the other covenants. It's like the finish line of the race. And this covenant is different from all of the other covenants that fall under the covenant of grace because this covenant is a covenant made in Christ's blood. This is what makes it stand apart from the other ones. And because it is in Christ's blood, this is what makes it the pinnacle of all of the other covenants. It's how it fulfills all of the other covenants because Christ is the substance that the shadows of all of the other covenants are really all about. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. All the other covenants were like checkpoints. Like you said, this one is the finish line. Mm -hmm. And each one of those checkpoints showed us more of God's will, showed us more of God's redemptive purposes. And, and plans. And his plans, exactly. And, and each of them had different shadows of what Jesus was going to do. If this was a pirate map, this yeah. would be the X. Exactly. X marks the spot. And you had to pick up stuff along the way. Like, yeah, there's this little island thing that you yep. have to go around. Then Cut there's it. like this little cave that you have to forge. And what else do you <laughs> get? A, get a key. I'm along drawing the way. upon all of my Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> knowledge right now. But anyway, this is the X marks the spot. Christ is yeah. the point of everything. Exactly. And that's, that's what Paul means when he says Christ is the end of the law. It's the telos, the, the purpose, yeah. the intended meaning and substance of. Right. It doesn't mean the law went away. It means no. that just like the X marks the spot isn't the end of the treasure. It's the end of trying to get to the treasure. Yep. So Christ is the treasure. Christ is the substance that everything else was pointing to. All of the other covenants. Think we've got that nailed down now, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So obviously right away it, it makes this covenant... Special. Very special. Yeah. So we're just going to talk briefly about how Christ makes sense of those other covenants. It's easy to say that, mm -hmm. but then now from the perspective of of this side of the cross, yep. we can look back at the covenant of redemption, for instance, the very first covenant that was made, and say, yeah, Christ fulfills the covenant of redemption. Because the covenant of redemption was that plan that the triune God made with himself mm -hmm. to win and redeem a lost people. Well, fast forward to the new covenant, Jesus did that. Yep. Jesus came. Jesus fulfilled the mission that was given to him in the covenant of redemption perfectly. And on the cross said, it is finished, right? Was buried, 
rose from the grave, ascended to heaven. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Done. He's seated. Mm-hmm. Mission done. Job done. He completed uh, his end of the covenant of redemption. The covenant of works or the covenant of creation, covenant of man. There were a couple other titles that we tossed yeah. around. But Christ fulfills that covenant as well. How does he do that? So Christ, where Adam disobeyed and didn't essentially keep faith with God, Jesus did. Jesus perfectly obeyed his entire life. Mm -hmm. Also, where Adam and Eve succumbed to the temptations of the devil in the garden, Jesus was led out into the desert by the Spirit and was tempted three times by the devil and withstood the temptation, Mm -hmm. combated the temptation with Scripture and with God's truth and and did what Adam and Eve did not do. Mm-hmm. That's how that first promise of the future Redeemer was to come and crush the head of the serpent mm-hmm. was accomplished by Jesus. Well, in the simplest terms, you could even say where Adam broke fellowship with God in his disobedience, Jesus restored fellowship by his obedience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then all of us in Christ are seen as obedient. Mm-hmm. And then... We talked about the covenant of grace, which the new covenant would fall under technically. Right. But we talked about the covenant of grace and briefly, how does Christ fulfill this covenant of grace outside of being the new covenant? Like what we're going to talk about tonight, outside of the finished work of Christ, each one. Well, I know we already kind of talked about it, but the covenant of grace began Genesis 3.15, right? The first gospel. Jesus, of course, crushed the head of the serpent by withstanding his temptation and then dying on the cross, defeating the power of death and sin and leaving them to an open shame is what Mm -hmm. the epistles talk about. And so Jesus fulfills that promise of Genesis 3.15. Jesus fulfills the Noahic covenant by saving through judgment, just like what happened in the time of Noah. The world was judged, yet Noah was saved through that judgment. And though sin was judged at the cross, that same act is Jesus saving us. And so Jesus saves through judgment there. And then the Abrahamic covenant, which is before Moses, Jesus fulfills that because he becomes the blessing to all nations, which is what God promised to Abraham is that your seed and your, you know, the offspring, yeah, your offspring will cause you to be a blessing to all peoples mm-hmm. of the earth, not which, just Israel, all peoples. Right, which I was going to say shows that the point all along was to save all peoples, all ethnicities, all tribes, not just the Israelites. Yep, not just Israelites and not just the church for a time and then back to Israel. Mm-hmm. Israel was God's vehicle. It was who God gave his law to and his will to. And the point was always for that to go to all peoples. Right. For the Mosaic covenant, Jesus becomes the new Israel. He's led into the desert, is tempted, and then he begins a life of ministry. And then when Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, he tells his disciples that he is leading a new exodus. Mm -hmm. And even Jesus' baptism at the Jordan River, he crosses over the Jordan, just like Israel crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. Mm -hmm. Jesus was leading a a new conquest. Jesus was acting as Israel, but now perfectly Mm -hmm. by obeying the Father perfectly and following the law perfectly. So he's the he's the new Israel in that sense, fulfilling the Mosaic covenant, not breaking covenant like Israel did over and over again. So that leaves Unamas. 
And finally, the last covenant before the new covenant is the covenant with David. That God promised to David that someone would sit on his throne forever. And now that Jesus from the Davidic line sits on the throne and he lives on forever and there will be no end to his rule, the the prophets talk about this all over the place. Yeah. Well, Psalm 110, which yep. is like the favorite post-mill verse, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Yeah. And 1 Corinthians 15 picks us up. Jesus is going to reign until the resurrection, until death, which is the last enemy, is defeated. defeated. Yep. And so Jesus is now going to reign forever, but it'll be till that point, right? Right. There's no end. There's no way he can lose it. Nothing. Jesus is ruling and reigning now. Nothing. (laughs) Okay. That's the Brooklyn coming out in you, I think. And so that's how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. So in the new covenant, Jesus is the consummation, the fulfillment of all these different covenants throughout God's, you know, plan of redemption throughout all these hundreds of years. And then Jesus establishes the new covenant in his blood. And then we will talk about some more of the details of that now. Yeah. We said prior in our series that every covenant has parties that are involved. Mm -hmm. Who is the new covenant between? God the Father. And I would say... Everyone who claims the name of Christ and has been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That was Jesus' charge to go and disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you, right? I am with you to the ends of the earth. So anyone between God and anyone who is part of the visible church. Exactly. Visible church meaning who meets corporately, claims the name of Christ, has been baptized in in the name of a triune God, the triune God. Right. That is who this covenant is between. Right. That might be where the Baptist-Presbyterian split comes in. Mm -hmm. Who that party is between. Yes. Perhaps. Because Baptists will say that the two parties are God and the elect. Right. And meaning only those who are regenerate are in the new covenant. Right. And so, and then Presbyterians differ because they see objectivity in the visible church or the historical church, as some others like to call it, and that those are the people that God is in covenant with. Yeah. And we will answer a whole bunch of questions concerning that. In our next episode. In the next episode. Right. So our next episode is going to be a slew of questions. It's going to kind of run the gamut. Probably we'll try and answer a lot of questions that we had when we first became Presbyterian. Yes. Coming out of a Reformed Baptist position. Mm -hmm. We want to be as gracious as possible. Most of our really good friends are Reformed Baptists. We have no interest in slandering anyone or causing fights. Yeah. But it is something that we would like to discuss and have like a rational, civil hopefully edifying conversation about. (laughs) Right. And a lot of it can be confusing. And there's a lot of scripture that is poured into this. Right. And so there's a lot of different places you got to go to help you understand this. And when we were becoming Presbyterian, it seemed like there were resources, but a lot of them were kind of spread out. Mm -hmm. We searched for like Q&A episodes and we searched for explanations 
for the layman, for the stay-at-home mom yeah. in particular, yeah. something that I could understand. Sometimes when you start talking about, like, decretally elect and, I mean... There's tons of visible, invisible mm-hmm. church, which can be super confusing if you aren't familiar with those terms. What are some other things that were super confusing like for Like that us? the sacraments are signs and seals. Yeah, yeah. So our next episode, we're hoping to just really lay a clear, concise, not super scholastic. Mm-hmm. We just want it to be common language Yeah, street answers. level. Yeah, which is our level anyway. So this... <laughs> <laughs> That works so that best. works well for us. Yeah, that works best for us. Hopefully it works for you too. Yeah. Okay. So that's who the covenant parties are. We also said in our previous podcast that every covenant has uh, covenant blessings and covenant curses. Mm-hmm. So in the new covenant, the covenant that we are currently in, mm-hmm. what are the covenant blessings? So I'm going to read Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36, which were prophecies about this new covenant coming. And I think they both kind of lay out those blessings. So Jeremiah 31, 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And then in Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 24, It says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And so the spirit living within us, renewing us, giving us a new heart, causing us to walk in God's statutes and his laws, this is the great, incredible blessing of the new covenant. And this was what Paul marveled at in a lot of his letters, Colossians in particular, where he constantly is saying, in Christ, in Christ, our hope in Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's this union with Christ that grants us all these blessings. And that union happens by the power of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that is totally new and an incredible blessing in the new covenant. Mm -hmm. We didn't see that in the old one. The law was on stone. So the the heart of stone is taken out and now a heart of flesh that's empowered by the Spirit to obey God's laws is is there and is given to God's people. And so the verses speak to the spirit living within us, causing us to follow God's ways, I mean, from the inside out. So this is a new power in the new covenant that we didn't see before. Well, because the Holy Spirit has come. We see at Pentecost, the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit is poured out, which is part of what makes the new covenant so awesome is that Jesus said, I'm going to send you the helper until I ascend and I take my seat. 
the helper can't come. Once the helper mm-hmm. comes, you're actually in a better position, a better covenant, because the Holy Spirit is going to indwell inside of you. Exactly. Which is that softened heart, that heart that allows for you to actually live and walk in the Spirit. Yeah. It wasn't so much that people in the Old Testament didn't love God mm-hmm. or that they weren't motivated to obedience because they loved God, because surely they did. We know of countless instances in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews where it talks about by faith, by faith. And you have to believe that because they had faith, it wasn't a cold faith. It was a faith that was motivated by love. Mm-hmm. David said that he delighted in the law of the Lord. I mean, there was a lot of emotion and a lot of affection for God in the Mm -hmm. Psalms. The big difference is that now the spirit is indiscriminately poured out. Right. And indiscriminately empowers the church where it was it was more specific and acute in Mm -hmm. the Old Testament time. And that is one of the blessings of the covenant Mm -hmm. that now you get the spirit too. Yep. And then, of course, the covenant curse is that you'll be cast off. Yeah. So John 15 illustrates this well when Jesus talks about himself being the true vine and that there are branches in the vine that bear fruit and he encourages us to abide in the vine. And if you obey me, you know, if you'll produce good fruit and if you don't produce good fruit, then you'll be cut off and thrown into the fire. There are branches in the vine that do not bear fruit and then are cast off into the fire. Right. Those are like traditional apostasy verses. Right. There's a couple other places in Hebrews that specifically talk about apostasy. And what it is, is we see these people who are seemingly part of the church. The visible church. Right. The visible church and are Christian. They seem Christian. They Yeah. They claim Christ. They've been baptized. They've... They love coming to church. They love serving. They seem to actually act godly and, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm sure everyone knows somebody who's been that way and then walked away Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And that's the covenant curse. Like you've been part of the vine and you've turned away from the substance of the covenant, which is Christ. So now you get the curse. Yeah. And which is being cut off in hell. So then there are signs of this covenant. What is the sign of the new covenant? There are two the Lord's Supper and baptism. Okay, so Those the sacraments. The signs of the, yeah, the sacraments. The ordinances that Jesus has told us to do to show the spiritual realities of the new covenant. Yep. So once again, because this might sound really weird churchy, yeah. <laughs> a covenant sign is like a symbol, a mm-hmm. sign, a symbol of the substance. Right. Right. So it isn't the substance itself. It's a sign. Just like a wedding ring would be a sign of the substance of marriage. Your wedding ring isn't the marriage itself. Mm -hmm. If you take your ring off, you're still married. But it's a sign of something greater, which is the marriage. Right. So the sign of this covenant is the Lord's Supper and baptism. It isn't the covenant itself. It isn't the substance of the covenant. Mm -hmm. It's just pointing to it. Yeah, and... The wedding ring is a really good example because you put my ring on my hand Mm -hmm. and I put your rings on your hand. And when we practice baptism in the Lord's Supper, and we get this wrong in the church all the time, especially baptism, where baptism is my testimony about how I profess faith in God. And and now I'm showing the rest of the church my dedication 
to the Lord when really baptism is God telling the church and specifically the person being baptized, Mm -hmm. I have sprinkled clean water on you. I have given you a new heart and I have given, you know, my spirit to be within you. Mm -hmm. That it's the other direction. It's him placing his metaphorical wedding ring on his bride. Right. And it's the same thing with the Lord's Supper. It's not us saying, Lord, I remember your your sacrifice for me and, and all that. It's not about us. It's us. It's God saying, I have promised that the body was broken for you and the blood that's been shed for you mm-hmm. is I provide, sure. I provided this feast for you to partake in. Right. Yeah. It's God promising to us. Mm-hmm. And we partake because it's, and, and we call it covenant renewal worship. We partake and we renew covenant. Sure. Doesn't mean we make another covenant every week. It's a refreshing or just yeah. a, you know, remembering again what yeah. God's promised to us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with baptism, the the blessings, we kind of already talked about it. The blessing of the covenant is being, you know, washed clean of your sin, being regenerated by the Holy Spirit and being made new. And that's what the waters represent. When you're invited to the table, you are in fellowship with God. He welcomes you yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And then with baptism, the covenant curse there, it, you know, the emblem being water is the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. And so, like we said, the branches that don't bear fruit are cut off and cast into the fire, which we see to be the lake of fire at the end of Revelation. And so that's those who are baptized and then walk away from it. Their curse is going to be the lake of fire for mm-hmm. walking away from from their baptism. Yeah. So as though that's not confusing enough. <laughs> so send your questions. If that was <laughs> way too confusing. So another thing that we wanted to to touch on a little bit. This doesn't necessarily, though it does kind of help understand how the new covenant is better, mm-hmm. is just to quickly talk about the munis triplex again. We did an episode on this yeah. last fall, I think. It was a series, I think. We did all three. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, the munis triplex are basically the offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. Mm-hmm. And what we see in the Old Testament are these offices, prophet, priest, and king. We see these offices being filled by multiple people. Right. So the priesthood, we see the priesthood started with Aaron mm-hmm. and then, you know, the tribe of Levi. All of his sons. They, this was the, the priesthood. And then uh, Moses was a prophet. And then we see other prophets, Elijah, Elisha. And then the God continued to use the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. To John the Baptist. And then John the Baptist being the last prophet. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, with the kings of Israel, beginning with Saul and continuing on, God you know, used kings to uphold his law over his people. So another reason why the new covenant is a better covenant is that all three of those offices are now being held by one person, that is Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, as opposed to three separate distinct men. Yeah. And eternally. Right. So Jesus is our is King Eternal. He's prophet forever, and he's a priest forever. Yeah. And he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. We're told this is Psalm one ten also. Mm-hmm. And so his offices will not have any end. Yeah. So Jesus is the prophet, a greater prophet, the mm-hmm. best prophet, the eternal prophet. Same with priest and king. So this is another reason why the new covenant is better than all of the old covenants. Yeah. Jesus being the better priest is that he didn't offer, you know, a really great cow or a really <laughs> great sheep. He offered himself 
which mm-hmm. was a perfect sacrifice for all. And he is the better prophet who forever is the word of God, mm-hmm. right? The prophet was the one who proclaimed the word of God to the people. Jesus is the word. Which is why we don't need prophets today, because we have Jesus, who is the prophet. Right. And then he is our king forever, the one who has the knowledge of good and evil, who gives us God's law, who gave us his spirit so that we could follow God's law. Mm -hmm. And he is a perfect ruler. Mm -hmm. He is our our great king. Who is setting up his kingdom. And now, yeah, spreading through his love and forgiveness and through the gospel, expanding his kingdom over the entire world among all peoples. So we're going to get into questions next week. We just kind of wanted to quickly touch on this. This one we felt didn't need to be as extensive maybe mm-hmm. as some of the other ones because it's essentially the gospel. Yeah, like true. The new covenant is essentially the gospel. And we more so wanted to touch on its implications rather than what exactly it is. Mm-hmm. So if, if you thought maybe we didn't answer some questions you have, please reach out to us. We'd love to answer them. We know when it gets into like covenant theology and some of its implications, it can get really sticky and confusing. Yep. We'd love to clarify it for you. Yep. So if you have questions on Presbyterian infant baptism or whether the law still abides or doesn't abide anymore or... Maybe even just how the new covenant is part of the covenant of grace. If you thought that was kind of confusing, Mm -hmm. just reach out to us. We'd love to maybe more personally answer your questions. A lot of this is really hard because we're talking to invisible people. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So we try and anticipate maybe what your questions are, what someone would be thinking, which is really hard to do with covenant theology. So thank you for being gracious with us. Next week, like I said, we're going to answer questions. And if you've not listened to any of the other episodes, got to listen to this one. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening again. We greatly appreciate it. Come back next week for a Q&A episode. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. Until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames, left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change, if you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily, as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches, will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nick at night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother?
mother's womb a second time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it. Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit. No other way to enter heaven. That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent. The water symbolizes spiritual purification. Flesh can only produce flesh. That's true and factual. Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural. It's kind of like the wind, which is free. East to west can't perceive the steps. You can only see its effects in the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh -huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation The situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who has given new birth from above